everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. Well, guys, I promised you sassy, sexy, funny, and just downright peeing your pants good. And that's what we're going to have today. I got this book from Chloe Davis. I adore her. Shout out to her real quick because she works super hard and is super underappreciated. So uh, giving a quick call out to her. But everyone, please welcome Kate Spencer. Hello. I'm so, what a nice introduction. I like to do something a bit different, you know? I like, loved it. You home. promised sexy. Well, your book was sexy. I mean... Oh, thank you. Uh, the dress coming off is... Yeah. I was just like, wow, what? That's the kind of crap that happens to me. Like, seriously. The, that's the kind of crap that happens to me. Like, no, I wish I was joking, actually. <laughs> I believe you. You know what? I think sometimes we all have those moments that you're like, this, this is fiction right like is this really actually happening in my real life like sometimes it does it does feel that way uh i mean i've had times where i've had wrestlers who've tugged on like tie tops thinking like they're fake ties and um you know then they've nearly come off or i've you know it's like with me my friends just don't trust me in clothes so like if I going through like sliding electric doors they're making sure my skirt's in or my you know my jacket's in because I have literally had a jacket ripped in half oh you're like the main character of my book yeah like that is me like even my husband will like check to make sure I have everything in the lift that should be in the lift um you know it's just I am terribly clumsy I mean I think on our first date I had this split dress with the corset with the ribbons and everything and he didn't realize that I had the slit was supposed to go to my thigh top of my like top of my thigh it was like right up at my hip bone by the end of the night like because I stood on the dress twice and ripped it twice and I'm like I've been there they don't make dresses for short people I'm sorry Uh, I feel you I feel I'm not sure I am tall but I also there have the opposite problem of clothes never quite fitting as they should. I think I think there are lots yeah. of us who kind of deal with this, and, and depending on our our body shape. Like everyone told me, always, always, always order from like Asian countries. Those clothes will fit you. It'll be okay, right? 
like that was my advice that they gave me two years ago. I bought this beautiful flower gown, and I thought, okay, cool, I'll look sexy this summer. And <laughs> I put it on, and it was like a foot, and not not even just a little bit. It was like a foot of extra fabric. Oh my goodness! I was like, there's no heel big enough for this. <laughs> no, you'd be you'd have to be in a straight up like that. That was a size six. That was a size six, and I'm like, I would hate to think what you think a size six in height is. (laughs) Me, that's probably made for that. The height of that dress is made for me. Exactly. Like, that's my yeah. I hate being five one. I just I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) That and I always get called pocket size. Oh, I don't don't like that. Any commenting on on bodies, I just I can't. I don't. Yeah, I don't like. So I, I gotta ask, tell us about, and an sort of uh, a New York minute, because I know where my thoughts are on this, but I wanted to, like them to hear it from you and like where it all came from. Sure. So in a New York minute starts um, with the story of Franny, who has just been laid off from her job and is in New York on an unseasonably warm day and heads onto this a packed subway car. Her dress gets stuck in the door. She's got a handful of work items that she's had to take after being, you know, let go from her job. And her dress rips down the back. And a very handsome stranger steps in to help by offering his jacket. And then as things, you know, do in the big city, he disappears into the crowd. And she thinks that's the end of it. But of course, they are found they go viral by someone who has documented the whole incident and their story makes national tv and then they keep kind of coming into each other's lives through a variety of circumstances that really has to do i think with their friend group and kind of the the idea that a very large city can actually be a small town in many ways um so it kind of it kind of plays with the idea of like serendipity and coincidence and also just finding your people and you know, I had this idea, uh, there were a few things brewing in my brain, kind of or maybe around 2017 through 2018. Um, one was a story that went very viral here in the States, and it was uh, called Hashtag Plain Bays. And it was kind of um, a couple had switched seats with another person so they could sit together and sat directly behind this person and then watched as they... Um, struck up a conversation with their seatmate and documented the whole thing and kind of created this very romantic comedy narrative about these two people accidentally meeting because someone switched seats and falling in love on a plane. And it went very viral. And I, as a romance lover, I love all sorts of romance. I was like hooked on this story. And then of course it turns out it was actually really an invasion of the privacy of these two people. It was not what was really happening. They were just having a polite conversation and so that immediately struck me as kind of this interesting dynamic between, you know, anyone can now be a storyteller using other people's lives without their knowledge. And that kind of honestly freaked me out a little bit. Uh, and then I had a friend who had an incident on the New York City subway where he accidentally kicked off a woman's sandal while getting onto the subway, it knocked into the tracks and... She, oh, you know, he apologized. They got on the subway car together and she very heroically just took out a T-shirt out of her bag and tied it onto her foot and, and went to work. And then um, the MTA found the sandal. It was this whole thing. They posted on social media and my friend did not fall in love with this woman. He had a partner and I don't know what her relationship status was. But in my romance oriented brain, I was like, this is the perfect meet cute. Of I need course, to write yeah. this kind of subway like wardrobe disaster goes viral meet cute like this is like what happens when two people meet in a way that looks like it's romantic but it's actually a total disaster so these are all the things that were kind of in my brain as I just sat down and kind of started jotting out ideas for what would eventually become this story that's incredible and if you actually think about it what that woman did is kind of like what we do because we watch people and then we observe everything that we've watched, and then it, it, it some of it ends up in our work. Like if uh, we were totally. on the Zen on it, it ends up in my work. I uh, think, with- yeah, I think that's that's really true, and I do think it's interesting because as writers, we you know we do go the extra length of like fiction, 
trying to fictionalize everything, but yeah. I am curious as to how like TikTok and all other, you know, sorts of social media apps allow us to kind of like walk the line as storytellers and in some in some ways it's so magical this technology in other ways it can be a real invasion of somebody else's privacy and so i'm still kind of figuring that out for myself personally like how when is this like when am i crossing a line i don't know and it's weird you say that because when i started doing the sort of wrestling stuff like the wrestling Mm. moments when when we were sort of breaking that out all the boys just took this like huge deep breath in and they're like oh god crystal's doing books and wrestling oh crap like how much of our stuff's gonna be in like the just the freak out that happened Mm, interesting and it was like it was totally what sort of sparked the whole thing was i was watching a wrestling show and i hated the love story that they had in the show it pissed me off I was just like, this is not how you do a love story. And they'd been doing it for, like, decades. And I was just getting more and more annoyed every time they did one of these, you know, fall, the wrestling girl and guy fall in love storyline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I just did it. But, like, the boys, and they were like, oh my god, Crystal, you're taking it to the next level. If it goes into print, that's it. Like, we will have to know that it's there for the rest of our lives. Like, we'll have to know you've written it. So I I had to, yeah, walk a very, very narrow line with that because wrestling is just, it's such a beautiful sport, but at the same time, a lot of what the boys are like on TV are not what they're like behind the scenes. Mm, Because it's like you take it and you turn their volume up of who they really are. And then you go backstage and they're like this generalist, nicest dude. And a lot of these guys, they will take their jackets off. I like I was cold one night um, after a wrestling event. I was looking for a lift home, and this guy walked up and he put his his coat around me and saved me from the creepy dude that was like pressing up against me. And he's like, "Oh, Crystal, yeah, you're catching a, a ride with us Americans, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> just like I want to get away from this creepy dude. So I jumped in the car, but. Like, yeah, so I totally get it, like, where the lines now, like, that's why I'm so careful with social media, like, Mm, I'll look at things, but I'll stop. Like, if I have an idea, I'll make sure that I walk completely away from it, not read anything in that genre until I finish writing it out, and then I might go read and stuff in it. I think it's just, like, you have to know where the the safety nets are, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I know with the boys, like, they'll tell me a story and then they'll be like, now don't put this in your book, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll be like, think... oh no, dude, it's not funny enough or whatever. Yeah, you don't. really laughing, you know? Like, you, you're the one who's, like, making the magic as the writer, right? Like, you can get yeah. a nugget of an idea from real life, but ultimately, I think, you know, you're doing the real work to, to make it come to life on the page. And I, 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 I don't think a lot of people fully take you know, actual situations and then just plop them down into the book. No, like we never, we absolutely never do. And like a lot of us, like, you know, we all research. I mean, like, you know, research is like our, is like the bane of our existence, but it's also really good if you're wanting to procrastinate. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, You're exactly right, Crystal. (laughs) Like you you can make an excuse like, oh, I need to answer that question six hours later after Googling it. Oops. Yep. Yep, I did a lot of work Googling. That was just, you know, days spent Googling things instead of writing. But well, here oh we gosh. are. Like, and Finally if the got police done. ever went through our Google search ser- histories. That's very weird. You know, like, I, I would get I would get so many weird questions in an interrogation. <laughs> you wouldn't be loud anywhere. No, I would be told, just like, this is an insane woman. She should be insane in asylum or something, you know. But, yeah. We have to be crazy to be writers, I think. A little oh, bit crazy, yeah, anyway. That's fair. So, when you kind of sat down to write New York Minute, were you thinking, I want to write, like, a romantic comedy, funny, contemporary romance? Or were you thinking, oh, I kind of want this to be romantic? Like, or did genre not come into this at all for you? 
I'm a romance reader and I really love contemporary romance and romantic comedy. And I, I do love, I mean, I read like straight romance, but I also do love the, the books that kind of straddle that line of women's fiction and romance. And so you know, I was very intentional. I knew the genre that I wanted this book to be in. I think what ultimately ended up happening was that as I continued to write, I explored the friendships of the characters more. So it it's, the relationships kind of go beyond just the traditional romance between the two main characters. And I didn't, I, I didn't expect to do that when I first started. It's just kind of how the writing flowed. But yes, I love romance. I love contemporary romance. Um, and I, I really wanted to, to, to go there. Yeah, no, like for me, I never, I, I never think of the genre, which is really bad. <laughs> I should sit down and I write it, and then I'm like, oh, crap. I have to sell this now. What is this supposed to be? Like, where am I supposed to be? And then I have a total freak out for, like, two days. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like your way better, because then you kind of know the tropes and your rules and all that kind of yeah. stuff ahead of time. It's not so freaky. Like, I love the tropes. I, I you know, I, I've been reading romance for a very long time, and so... These are the, these tropes are like cozy slippers for me. I just like I I, I crave them. So, but I, you know, I don't think I could ever sit down and and write a mystery. That's not it's not a genre I read a lot. So I would have to do a lot of a lot a lot of kind of research and work first before I even tried to dabble in in that genre. Yeah, like no, I mean, I discovered that when I left. I had to take a step back. I was like, romance burnout, kind of. Yeah. And I, I kind of dabbled in fantasy because I read a lot of fantasy anyway because it's easy. Like, you, if you get a genre that's just easy to read, you can just, like, slide in it. Oh, yeah. Feels great. And I just was doing it, and then I found myself, oh, I wrote a fantasy. Oh, I wrote, a fi you know, historical fiction. I grew up on historical fiction. So, for me, like, being a prolific writer was so... It was like it was like the cozy slippers like uh, if i went to write something my hands pretty much just take over and my brain zones out mm. and then whatever i've got at the end i'm like oh, oh okay now i gotta edit it now i actually have to pay attention crap you know like that that's just my process and i think i love this show because we get to hear so many different kind of different perspectives on writing yeah because every writing experience is now 100% our own. It's like our, our own individual experiences. And people don't realize is that like there's not a one-size-fits-all. You really have to work at it to find out which which line you're, you're going to like be. Like whether you're going to be a plotter, whether you're going to be a pantser, whether you're going to be somebody that does research, whether you're just going to make it up on the fly. Like what genre you'll end up in like all this is individual and i think this show is kind of like wakening up new writers to this mm. like there is no wrong way to write i it's whatever completely your story agree. tells you yeah i i for so long i think as a writer uh i and i think it's valuable to hear i i love hearing about other people's process processes as writers like i i think it's extremely valuable but i then never really left space for myself to create my own process I thought I just yeah. kind of should do what this person did and that it would work for me and it's this is still I'm still learning this like mm -hmm. this is not something I have completely figured you out never stop learning this no but just knowing like I think it can feel like your your way is wrong and everybody else's way is right and ultimately yeah. the way you come to the story and work through it it has to be your own process um, and this, however this you get through it is good yeah, and this is the argument I have with my literature because I'm in university right now. Mm. So I'm like year three. I have one year left, and I thought I'll do a creative writing course. Oh gosh, you know, like it, how hard could it be? I'm published. I know what it's like. And um, I think I fought with this guy every step of the way because they believe that there's only like two ways to write something mm. or two, you know, two approaches. And I'm like, dude, everybody's different. You can't yeah. just take a way of doing a specific writing style and shove it down people's throats. They got to find it themselves and you never stop learning. Like how I write now might not be how I write in 10 years time. Yes. And you know, and they, they think I'm just, you know, completely off my head, but I argue it because I, I don't want these people to come out at the end of their uni course and then realize 
nothing that they've just learned in that course is going to work for them. Because there's no, there's no prompts. There's nobody to hold your hand. There's none Mm. of that. You've got to just go out there and do it. And, and there's no real safety wheels for this. You just have to do it. Um, I, and I think my class hate me because I'm like, <laughs> I say this all the time. Um, I'm pretty sure like they, they screw their faces up when they see that I've posted in the forum. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just, you know, it, I, I like to say to people, don't get weirded out on writing. Just, just go ahead mm. and do it. Yeah, so and every the... book is different too. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... Apologies oh, no, 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 you're, you're fine. I was going to say, like, what was the best part of writing this story for you? Like, what, what's been the best part of your writing journey so far? This book was really fun for me because I, I lived in New York City for 10 years, and I now live in Los Angeles, California, here in the States. And so for me, this was kind of like getting to travel in my brain and kind of, I think, give myself one final goodbye to New York because I think I'm, I'm pretty permanently on the West Coast now, but my heart is really is really in New York. That's That city really, I think, is like my soulmate of a city. So it was fun for me to get to really just kind of, you know, escape into that world that I had lived and get to revisit, almost like travel back in time and, and travel to the city and I, was I, when I was working and then, you know, look up from my computer and be back in Los Angeles and go pick my kids up from school and do all the things that I do in my everyday life. So of course, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. So how are you finding the difference of LA living and New York living? Cuz obviously well, that's two different worlds cuz I know what LA is like. I've never yeah. been to New York, but it's very different. I have I lived in New York for 10 years and I have now lived in Los Angeles for I think 11. coming on 12 so I've lived in Los Angeles now longer than New York and I still feel like I know New York better Um, but Los Angeles is its own it's its own unique city and I I think it gets a lot of slack but I actually really adore it it's just a it's such an interesting vast place full of like people who are really passionate about living here and who have roots here and it's you know also look the weather is amazing I'm not gonna lie even with earthquakes even with we have fires like there's a lot of natural disaster issues that are certainly you know exacerbated as time goes on but it's pretty great and my I do love Hollywood and I do love that that history and um I'm hoping I'm I'm about to start kind of drafting an idea I have and I think it will be set here in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, I can't wait for that. I would I enjoyed your book so much to be That's 100% so kind of you. like Thank you. Because like I think New York gets a bad rep if you're on this side of the water mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. like everyone's like, "Oh, well it's like the dirty version of London." <laughs> and I'm like, you're not selling it to me because I've been to London. Like, I hated London. I, was like, I thought uh, London was kind of dirty. I mean, it's a city. A city is going to be, especially an older yeah. city, like, that's going to be dirty. Yeah. And I mean, I go to Glasgow. Like, Glasgow's oh, my yeah. nearest and dearest place. I, I, gosh, I've lived there for, like, 13 years now. Like, and I've lived everywhere because I'm, mm. I'm one of these, like, unresting people I like to move. Uh, my husband says I'm like a, you know, I've, I'm a gypsy as far as he's concerned because I like stay in like one place for like two years and then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to go see this part of the city, you know. Um, but to me, like when you find a city that you love, that is a huge influence on your writing. Yeah. yeah. So when I went out to L.A., I just I even said to my husband, I'm like, if I ever get the chance to move here, um, we're going like because my connection to like the city i could literally feel the hum of the Mm. people and it just inspired me and i could people watch and they didn't think it was weird and i thought i like these people nobody's staring at me funny nobody's asking me why i'm watching this like and i didn't realize how many people in la actually watch other people it's yeah crazy but then i suppose it's a city of writers so maybe it's not so weird it's a city of of creative people and and then there's you know there's a whole world outside of the entertainment industry and I think that's the other thing that people often forget about Los Angeles is that 
there are people doing all sorts of work here, which is what makes it so interesting. But yes, you do have a lot of writers. You do have a lot of people sitting around writing all day and observing and thinking and, you know, in their heads creatively. So it, you, you're in good company here if you're a creative yeah. person. Yeah, and uh, my husband hated it. <laughs> well, you know what? Come visit me and I'll try to get him to like it. I think it was more because nobody understood him. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah. everywhere we went, people said to me, what's he saying? Like, they okay. would lean into me and they would be like, what's he saying? Is this saying? a Scottish accent? Him. Yeah, it's the Glaswegian accent. Like, they okay. couldn't get it. And, of course, I can switch off mine, and mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. love switching mine off, because mine is nothing like his. It's not as nice and romantic as his. And so, yeah, like, I have that Cowie thing I can do, and everyone just thinks I am from there, right? But, yeah, so I had to sit and have to, like, translate in my head everything he was saying to, like, American slang phrases to That's just, so like, funny. get us through. Okay. You well, know, and... It was hilarious, honestly. But when we went to a French restaurant where the waiter only spoke French, totally killed me. Okay. I was in the Grove. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Grove, and I'm like, crap, I don't speak French. The menu's in French, and the American that's taking me to lunch doesn't speak French. Uh-oh. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, I was literally looked at my husband about, you spoke, you did French in school. What's this? <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> this was the first time he translated for me the entire trip. It was fantastic. Oh, but I mean, that's what makes it like, you know, I mean, of course, you guys have had all that snow lately, haven't you? We have, where I live, we have not. We had like, a, it, it did kind of snow for about like 10 minutes and it was very exciting. But yes, um. In the mountains, it's there's been a, a tremendous amount of snow, and it's actually been very dangerous for the people who live there. They've been snowed in with no electricity and heat, and so yes, it has been um, it has been a weird weather season here where we live. Yeah, because a friend of mine, she uh, she had moved from Germany and she was living mm. in LA, and I got this weird text at like three o'clock in the morning or something, and it was like, I've got snow outside my house yep. right now and I thought she must have been off her head on something or drunk and I text her <laughs> by going you remember you live in LA and she texted me a picture of her back garden just covered and I was wow. like yes yes people did Holy. get some especially in the hills there was more yeah. it was it was crazy I've never seen it I've never seen snow come from the sky here before no, and I just thought, wow, like, because we remembered how bad the concrete roads were, because we'd never mm -hmm. driven on concrete before, and I was just like, what? You guys will have no traction. Like, <laughs> how's that going to work? It's very scary. I <laughs> know, like, I totally, my heart totally went out to you. I was like, poof, girl, if you're driving out there, mad Look respect out. for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to books you've read. What yes. would you say you've read most recently that stuck with you the most? Okay, I just finished a memoir. Um, I love listening Ooh. to memoirs on audiobooks, or okay. on, as an audiobook, rather. Um, and the author is Danielle Prescott. It's a memoir called Token Black Girl. It was really great. Uh, she's an excellent storyteller. I loved it. Um, I also just finished and actually got to blurb a book by Ava Wilder called Will They or Won't They, which is... Ooh an excellent um like hollywood celebrity romance i really loved wow. it i i do love a celebrity romance um and i read a lot of them but this one really stuck out for me it just had it's beautifully written it, she's an amazing writer and i you know i was crying by the end it was one of those <laughs> kind of romances that just got me well i'll have to hook you up with the uh the marie's world series then yeah yeah, because like th that one that that's like a celebrity romance kind of I, on speed a little bit. I you love know? a celebrity romance, and there is little tidbits, like there's little nuggets in there of you know some of my wrestling friends' lives and my life, little bits in there. But it was like my first series, so <laughs> you know, um, and it's coming out like the whole full thirty-two books is coming out, which is so fair. wild. That's amazing. It's wild that I agreed to do that. <laughs> it is, but like, you can't resist. You no, know, like, I get like, how it is. Like, we sat and we planned it, and we were just like, oh, well, it'll, it'll be five books or whatever. 
And then, like, me and Joe looked up and we're like, 30 tickets later, we'd planned this whole series of just car wreck monstrosity romances gone wrong. You know, because you got twin sisters and there's they've both got triangles that's going on and then they've got to mend their relationship because mm. technically one twin turned on the other and exposed all her diaries to the world. So there's, like, a lot of family drama in there. And then you've got these pro wrestling dudes who are like, who the hell is these chicks and what why are they in my life you know um because you know why not just throw two random wrestling dudes in there who are just like ah yeah help. you know and a, and a dad who's kind of pulling his hair out because his daughters is doing everything he never wanted them to do as they you know? should exactly uh don't keep secrets is i like i say if you take nothing else away from it you'll learn don't keep secrets. <laughs> so what author past and present who's influenced, inspired, and made you excited about books? You got three different authors. Okay. Um, Nora Ephron. Uh, she's just like my number one favorite. Um, the author, Samantha Irby, who writes nonfiction kind of essays about her life, is probably the funniest writer I've ever read and just brilliant and I come from a comedy background, so when I, I see someone, that. like, I just, I feel like I, I both, like, get lost in her books, but also I'm always learning, like, just her brilliance for comedy is, like, unmatched. And then um, Christina Lauren, who's a writing, they're a writing duo. They write uh, contemporary romance. They are, they're, they're friends of mine, and I, but I have, I love their books. Their books are just, like, my my absolute favorite to read they're they're masterfully written and they're also incredibly generous and kind fellow authors and i just um like i will always if like i'll always pick up their books i reread their books i just love them i think we all have authors like that though like that we just completely adore and we always pick up and read yes like, that's them for me yeah, because, like, when uh, I was a big fan of Rachel Kane before she passed, and mm. she wrote the most fantastic vampire YA series with, like, physics and portals and, Ooh. you know, one of them's completely psycho with, like, bunny slippers. And then there's this group who's, like, falling in love in a house with mm. each other. You know, like, just teenagers who are, are trying to live in this, like, vampire-run town. And I just adored her, like, you know, and I still go back to that series when I'm feeling, like, blue. I'll pull out one of her books and be like, oh, I'll mm. read this, you know? Um, yeah, but, like, you, you always have to have, like, that really kind of great selection where you can just kind of go when you're feeling, like, you know? Yeah. Kelly Armstrong's I mean, just becoming one of those for me now. I think that's I'm just such like, a compliment to offer a writer, too, that, that, that they could be that for you is really meaningful like more than being you know a number one best-selling author or what have you like hearing hearing that kind of feedback is so moving yeah like i i've only heard that once for for myself and it was like this little old lady who bought my book and it was like my first book tour and everything and she just walked up and she went i read this before and i have reread mm. it and you better write a second one because i'm buying another one <laughs> And you said Kelly Armstrong for you is like that, is like that, you're that to her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, gosh, she must be 80 odd. Like, what's she Mm. doing reading a romance that's set in (laughs) wrestling at 80? I'm like, even my husband at the time was just, like, my husband was looking at me like, she's 85. (laughs) But that's so amazing that you were able to, like, that your work connects with someone is just like. You, you can never imagine yeah. that when you're sitting there no. writing. It's so moving. You, you, you don't. And the thing is, like, I always say, when me and Joe did this, we never realized how universal hmm. wrestling was. Like, yeah. I mean, we knew, but we didn't. We were like, oh, robots readers aren't going to read this stuff, you know? It's just going to sit and carry dust or whatever. But there was, like, the small ones that did pick it up. And the yeah. ones that did read it loved it. But see, China, like explain to people okay it's not like wwe you know it's it's genuinely just guys whose job is wrestling who fall in love with these girls and they're Mm. never home they're like these people are on the road 
350 to 360 days a year? I mean, trying to date that is not easy. <laughs> like, so I give props to all of the women out there who are married to wrestlers or dating wrestlers because it, that stuff is not easy. Like, you're technically single for most of the year, and mm -hmm. then you're, like, having hotel-like dates and flight dates and stuff. I mean, yeah, I have mad props for them. Mad props. I, I actually understand why their divorce rate's so high now, to be fair. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, like, I think, to me, it's, it's, it's understandable. So moving into your writing, how did you go about, like, creating the funny moments? Mm. Is there, like, did you need to set a scene, or did you need to, like, light candles, set mood? <laughs> no, I just go. I, I, you know, for me, I, I write, uh... Writing, I don't, I try not to, how do I say this? I, sometimes I will set a candle and try to like set the mood, but other times I'm sitting, you know, waiting for my, one of my kids to have like a guitar lesson and I'm sitting in the waiting room or I'm writing in my car. So yep. I think writing can be really like romantic and magical, but also I try not to be too precious about it because it's a job and I'm trying to get it done. And sometimes you got to work in the weirdest of ways and the strangest mm -hmm. of places and just like put your butt in whatever seat you can find. Um, so yeah. the funny moments for me, those are often the ones that come the most easily. I think that's just how my brain works. Um, yeah. Having done, you know, improv comedy for so many years, um, that's almost like my comfortable spot I think the hardest harder things for me is figuring out like conflict and the plot and making sure it's not just 300 pages of people like hanging out yeah like the serious parts yes yes actually moving the story forward and understanding pacing and you know being conscious of stuff like that I kind of I'll often overlook it and then I have to go back in and tear everything up again and it's funny you say like that by pieces. writing wherever you can go because mm -hmm. I've had to do sexy scenes sitting in a hospital waiting room. Yeah, seriously. And you're just like, I hope nobody's looking over my shoulder right now. Like, really? <laughs> they're I not going to understand this. No, I was sitting at a, I had to, I was at a hotel for, I was like staying at a hotel overnight for a work thing and sitting at the yep. bar writing and eating and a guy was just like, sitting next to me with his wife and was like I saw the name of the character you're writing about like what's your story about I was like oh god you're really you know it's yeah. like someone walking in on you yeah, without your, their permission it was a little weird but you know we had a nice chat maybe he'll read my book yeah I mean that's how I used to take it like I had a nurse mm. who was super nosy and I was writing one day on my bed and she she was actually reading my screen over my oh, shoulder gosh. and I had oh, no gosh. idea she was there and then I didn't even know the scene was funny until she burst out laughing right next to me and I freaking jumped out my skin <laughs> and I was like oh, are you trying to give me a heart attack like uh -huh. <laughs> you know and she went and she bought the book afterwards like you know I ended up dedicating it to the ward wow. and just being like yeah I wrote this on the ward you know like giving them the props for it but yeah, like, I mean, it's, we have to write in crazy places, and I think, I always say, if I look like I'm writing, then give me ten minutes, then come talk to me. Yeah. But if I look like I'm just staring into space, you can come talk to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I'm, like, one of those, like, I don't mind. It's hilarious. So when you're writing your book, is it, like, a movie, or is it, like, a jigsaw puzzle for you? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's a movie for me. And then I have to go back and like rewatch it over and over and over again in my head. But yes, I am, yeah. I am that writer who, who sees it like a movie and who I have to, I write chronologically. Mm -hmm. Like some people can write a scene here and then write this other scene. And I can, I have to write from like beginning to end. Like I'm experiencing it, which is yeah. a very tedious way to write, but that's it just is. how my brain is working. So yeah, I'm movie all the way. So am I, but then, like, see, when I sit with my co-author, he'll go, mm -hmm, but can we add something, like, he'll put me back four chapters, because he'll think of something. <laughs> and I'll be like, dude, I'm like, I'm like, no! And he'll be like, yeah! And we have to, you know, go back and forth. 
Um, but yeah, I totally get it. Like chronologically and everything, it's not easy to do. Yeah, it's so, not. Which character stayed with you longest, and is there a character you could you wish you could write more about? So I'm throwing um, a hard one out there. No, I I love these. I love talking about this stuff. Um, which character stayed with me the longest? I was with this book for so long that it's kind of like all of, I felt like I was in their friend group and it's like weird when you wake up and realize you're just a regular person in their fiction. You know, like I was like, Oh, I don't, we don't all hang out. Do you um, have like the secret conversations with your husband? Like, Oh my gosh, so-and-so did this. And a then, little bit. Yeah. And or, then your yes. husband's like, you do remember their fictional characters, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do totally that do. a lot. I've been feeling that way about the next book that I just handed into my editor. But I think in this book, there's um, Franny, who's the main character, has a best friend named Cleo. And I would love to kind of write her story. She reminds me of myself. She's like both pra pragmatic and a bit of a dreamer. And just a, I actually like, agree with that. Like she just I feel like she needs I, I want to see like the next phase of her life. Um, and so if I could pick anyone. She would be I could girl. see so many disasters on her dates and oh, yeah. her just making like the funniest jokes at this poor guy's expense I love her like I just feel like there's there's someone out there for her and I just want to see how they get together and I, I hope there's somebody those... that's like that he'll have to have a sense of humor like yes. 100% oh my God. required for anybody I think and any oh, book gosh. I write we need to have senses of humor that's like number one most attractive thing do you ever do like because one of the things that I have to do is I have to like picture somebody when I'm writing the characters mm. I have to have like their face so sometimes like I will go on Google and I will just look at like different men until somebody yes, pops of course. yes but my problem is they all tend to be actors so I think that's normal I'm scared like one of these days like I'm gonna walk into somebody that's gonna look like a character in my book and I'm going to call them their like the character name or something and they're going to be like who you know like that that's my big oh mm -hmm. gosh moment I meet like Johnny Depp and I call him something that's not Johnny Depp <laughs> he's the character in your head yeah exactly like I I mean everyone's like oh I get starstruck you know if I met so and so actor and I'm like like, to me, I don't get starstruck by actors. I get starstruck by the writers, because, like, mm. they are the hidden superstars. I'm yeah. sorry. But no, I agree. to me, we are the superstars. So, like, I could walk into a room with Dwayne and be like, <laughs> but I walk into, like, a room with a bunch of editors, and I'm, like, this scared, you know, kid from school, and I'm totally, mm. like, nervous and falling over my words, and it's just, do you ever get that moment where you're, like... Oh, I'm starstruck. What's happened? When did this happen? Like, this is weird. Yes. Oh, gosh. A hundred percent. And it's never around, I think, who you think it's going to be around. You know, it's. It, I think it's. you make a good point. It's the writers, like, or the people that you really admire that, that kind of get I wonder, though, like, if actors get just as starstruck with each other, like, like we do. So. Whereas, like, I think almost, like, you know, you, you, it's not that we look down on actors or anything, but as writers, we kind of just see them as props in our stories. Mm. Whereas, like, other writers, we see each other as, ooh, we're magical, you know? Like, it's like wizards meeting wizards or whatever, <laughs> you know? Or in my case, just this weird pixie who keeps flying into things, you know? <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm the only person I know that can get like stuck in one of those electric doors that go around in shopping centers. <laughs> oh, I love that Repeatedly. for you. That's Repeatedly. no good. Yeah. My, my friend actually went and bought coffee, came back and stood and waited for me. I was 15 minutes before I got to the other side. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's my <laughs> that's kind you. of life. That's your life. Yeah. Are you like, so I myself have a long-term illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. And, yeah. like, it kind of makes me smell the roses. What would you say is, like, your kind of, hey, there's life outside your characters in your books kind of moment? Oh, gosh. You know, I think, for me, I, I 
when I lost my mom, my mom passed away of cancer when I was in my 20s. And, and that was a real moment. That was before I was writing fiction. And I actually wrote a memoir about grief yeah. prior to writing fiction. Um, and so that was something where I was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you know, I just I had been kind of floating through life. And then I I had that moment of like, you know, when reality really hits, it hits. Um, but, you know, for me, I. I'm I'm constantly dealing with um, you know I'm a parent with two kids and so and they're becoming older they're 12 and 10 so they are having some like kind of real kind of you know bigger issues that come up and TV issues yes. yeah yeah and then I you know on the health stuff I've been really dealing with I've had kind of a long COVID situation that has been oh, ongoing gosh. for the yeah. last year that is completely manageable um, it's not as severe as what I think many people are, have been dealing with, but it did give me pause in terms of not running myself into the ground, so to speak, and to really kind yeah. of take care of myself. And I'm, I'm the kind of person who like, if I need to get, if I'm working on a book, I'll write, I'll kind of get consumed by it. And yeah. knowing the importance of knowing that like time off is just as important as the time spent working has been it's been a good wake-up call for me. See, that's what I'm learning, too. Like, because I've had arthritis my entire life, I've always done it as, ah, I'm just going to run and run and run until the wheels yeah, fall off. And yeah. then I'll recover, and then I'll do it again. Right. So, like, that was my whole, like, two and a half to 20s attitude. <laughs> and then from, like, 20 to 33, I'm like, okay, I don't bounce back quite as quick as I used yeah, to. So yeah. um, maybe take, like you can write from eight till six and then done like no yeah. matter what it is what your deadline is it doesn't Good matter eight till done and you're done like as soon as i started doing that i'm not like having that just burnout of complete yeah. exhaustion and illness and getting sick and all this other stuff and my husband's like we've both been super dodgers touch wood like we didn't get covid oh, but wow. we got like locked down right away like, because yeah. I'm high risk. Right, and, you've got, yeah. And I spent, like, three years in the house. And then I had to learn how to leave the house. Because <laughs> it was like that whole, they terrified me to an inch of my soul. Like, yeah. you know, you, totally you know get it's it. totally freaky. I've had five boosters to the point where I'm like, I don't want to go for another booster. <laughs> I'm, like, too scared of that. Wow, uh, yeah. Because, like, every four months they were giving us boosters, like, the high-risk category. And wow. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, every time I get over it, you're giving me the booster, and then I'm, like, three days in bed. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is nuts. But I think COVID's been great for all of us because we've learned that balance and we've learned to just go with the flow and don't try and rush everything. Let's just take it, like, each one step at a time and you know, see see where life takes us, I think. Yeah, I hope so. Well, uh, what, my last question for the day will be, what's the first thing you do when you need to just de-stress and kind of just relax? Oh What's my your gosh. go-to? Okay. I mean, I hate to say look at my phone, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to look at my phone okay. i do i do like to look at real estate apps on my phone not that i'm in the market to buy real estate but i find so it very I. soothing yeah you get it right like yeah it's just kind of like a fantasy world that you don't have to think too much about um, i do that all the time like i'm totally on Z like zillow first thing in the morning got my coffee girl. and i'm like looking mm -hmm. at houses normally in la looking yeah. at houses going oh this is cool and my husband's like there's no way you're ever buying a five million dollar house just but it's just fun to look it makes you it kind of shuts your brain off it's nosy like yeah. we're experiencing what their lives are like you know yeah. um, and i always say that to people I'm like there's nothing wrong with looking no no yeah. and i think that is a way of relaxing you know like i also like i will go for a walk i think being outside helps me think and helps me clear yeah. my head and that is that nice weather that we mostly have here. I, I can do that, I envy you know, you. year I round. I totally envy you because we've had nothing but the beast from the east this last two sorry. weeks. I am sorry. I am so sorry because we, yeah, it's we're very spoiled. I, I don't 
take it for granted that I have access to outdoor space year-round yeah. here. It's really yeah. nice. I would I would just my problem is I probably sit outside with the computer and I would I would I do I'd that too like, Chris I do that also I love yeah. doing that I like to write outside sometimes. I don't like being cold I like to be toasty and warm and my husband hates it <laughs> you know well, like you gotta move here I know exactly do you know anybody that turns the AC on so it's only two degrees in your bedroom Oh God, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm like you. I like to be warm all the time. So yeah. I would not. Yeah, I wouldn't. Do I well. didn't. I like. I, I totally thought L.A. I'll sweat. Like you know, be really hot. So I didn't take any of my fleecy furry pajamas. Not realizing that you guys don't have duvets in L.A. No, it's actually quite cold here sometimes. Yeah. So like, he's got the AC blasting. Like full going blasting in this heat wave in September and. I'm shivering oh, in like these cotton pajamas and I I had oh. begged I went and begged the housing staff for more blankets and they looked at me like I was crazy. Oh my gosh. And my husband's like, Why are you complaining? It's perfect and I'm, I didn't know he had the AC on <laughs> until I, I had to, to bribe the housekeeper to turn it back on. <laughs> and every time he would go and turn it back down again. So yeah, I next time I will bring my fleecy chalice with there me because I'm not trusting him. Bring a hat. Oh god, I I took I I got a shiver walking from our restaurant to the um the restaurant to the hotel, and it was like just a block. It wasn't even a block, and it was just this like weird breeze, and it just I had a thin dress on, and I shivered, and I went, oh, I'm cold. And he looked at me and he went, it's 38 degrees. How can you be cold? And that was the great conversation I had with Kate Spencer, who, as you're all very much aware of, created and released New York Minute, or in a New York Minute. Um, she had a very limited time to talk to us all, and I really do hope she'll come back and we will dive into more discussions in the books and in her writing and what makes it so special. Um, but yeah, this is this week's podcast, which is a special kind of extra one for everybody. Um, Kate's book came out on March 2nd, and I really recommend you guys get it because this is truly such an easy read. Um, I will be doing a full 20-minute um, review very shortly on this, but um, to be honest, my, my thoughts so far on it is it's lighthearted, it's funny, her comedy really shines through, and it's it's fast. You can read it and just enjoy it and not realize that you're, you know, that you're even in a, a novel. You're just, like, it's like watching a film. Um, it really does spark a lot of imagery, and I love a lot of the uh, Italian elements that you see in it. So I'm going to sign off for now, but it truly has been a pleasure, guys, and check back in next week because we have another awesome guest. I feel like we're getting more and more cool guests as we go on with this amazing ride. So yeah, check back in, see who it is, and uh, have a great week. <laughs>